of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today's solo podcast is on how to self-publish a book. This is a pretty current topic for me personally since I am in the process of putting out my first nonfiction book. So I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to share what my experience has been like and maybe help some of you future authors out there if you are looking to go this route answer some questions that you might have and just be able to be a resource in that sense. So let's dive right into today's episode. A few of the topics that we are going to cover are how do you get a book published? Should you go the traditional route? Should you self-publish? What's the difference between nonfiction and fiction publishing? So hold steady, I'll answer most of these questions in this podcast episode. However, I won't be going too detailed into the fiction submission and publishing process because that is just not my forte. To be honest, there seems to be much more of that information readily available anyway, so if you are interested in nonfiction, then this is the podcast episode for you. Before we start, again, I want to mention I did this with last month's solo pod episode, There is also an associated blog post with this episode, so if you go to the website, talent409.com slash blog, you can find what I talk about on this podcast in the written form. You can also just go to the website homepage, click on blog, and find it that way. But I just want to let you know that there's the information in the show notes, but you can also visit the website, and this will live on in the written form in a blog as well. I think a great place to start is... When you have a thought percolating in your head, I think I have a book to write, or I want to write a book. Once you have this thought, the next logical step is to figure out what to do. Looking from the top of the mountain and seeing all the steps ahead can be overwhelming. But if you want to do this right, it's important that you take every step and you do them in somewhat of a manageable order. The question most of us ask next is, do I go with traditional or self-publishing? Here's my two cents. Breaking into the traditional publishing world is harder than ever before. I'm talking about the big dogs. Penguin, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster. There's such an influx of author submissions that there is a very slim chance that you will get noticed unless you have a connection on the inside or you can find yourself representation. In fact, I've read that somewhere around 80% of proposals that are purchased get sold by literary agents. That's the other caveat. Finding representation can be just as difficult as getting someone to accept a query proposal. As we all know, timing is everything, especially with nonfiction books. If you have an idea that isn't evergreen, then it may not make sense for you to try and hunt for representation and then try and land a book deal. But if you feel you want to give it a try, I recommend looking at the Publishers Marketplace. I'll link that in the show notes, but that seems like the most intuitive site to use for that type of information. Some other items to consider with traditional publishing include if your proposal got purchased, that would be awesome, no doubt, but almost immediately the idea becomes collaborative. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you lose the ability to piece together the manuscript as you see best. 
If your publisher doesn't like an idea, it will get canned. And literary agents aren't like big-time sports agents that can negotiate everything and anything under the sun for you. They will certainly support you, but it will be hard for them to win all of your battles versus a monster publishing company. Another point is you don't make as much money in royalties when you are working with a traditional publisher. You have to split a portion of that royalty with your publisher. Not that money is everything, but that's certainly something to consider. The last point is that you do usually get an advance in money. The advance is based on how much the publisher expects you to make back in sales during the initial period. That's not a hard fact. That's just a guideline. So you are paying that money back, but it's nice to have it up front because putting together a reputable book isn't cheap. When it comes to traditional publishing in my process, it just wasn't for me. Another aspect to consider is that most publishers don't want the full book when you submit a proposal. If you haven't caught on, notice I've said proposal a bunch of times already. Yes, you will have to put together a proposal. With fiction books, publishers usually want the full manuscript as part of the proposal, but with nonfiction, they only want a chapter or two. Again, because it becomes a collaborative effort if it's purchased, it doesn't make sense to write a full manuscript. This again brings us back to timing. It may or may not make sense for you to wait. That is something you need to consider. When I began thinking about writing my book, I just wanted to write. I did a little bit of poking around for agents and potential publishers, but at the end of the day, it was most important for me to tell the story I was writing using my voice and originality. I didn't want to wait, and thus I ended up opting for the self-publishing route. So in this podcast episode, we are going to break off right at this point from traditional publishing. I know that was just surface level information, but I feel like you'll get better information from a simple Google search. So try that out if you're wondering anything else. Now that we are moving on to talk about the rest of the self-publishing process, I'll begin with a quick outline of what to expect. These are the steps to getting published. Step one, what is the book you want to write? Step two, research. Step three, create an outline. Step four, write. Step five, edit. Step six, layout and design. And step seven is publish. Okay, step number one is the idea. What do you want to write about? What do you have a passion for? What do you want to honor? There are so many ideas out there, and no idea is a bad idea. It's certainly scary, I will admit that, but no idea is a bad idea. Listen, people aren't going to like your book, even if you are the next big-time author. You can't please everyone, no matter what. So you have to go with what feels right to you. Be a little selfish. You are putting in the work reward yourself with something you'll enjoy. The idea for my book came after reading a couple books about the Yankees on my wedding honeymoon. I remember telling my wife that I thought there was a good research paper idea loosely based on the Yankees' organizational structure and development over the past 30 years or so. I completely bought into the idea of writing a book, 
after about a month of research. I got through three books and had 15 or so pages of notes, and I knew I had other books that I still wanted to get to. So I knew that I had something special at that point, and that's how the idea for my book was born. It's really not this amazing story. It's pretty straightforward, and I'd have to imagine that the majority of books and how they're born are very similar to my story. Step number two is research. The degree of research is going to vary depending on your topic and your level of knowledge. For me, I have no personal affiliation with the Yankees, so I thought it was vitally important to research as deeply as I could without digging so far down that I could never get back up. What I mean by that is eventually you just have to write. My personal research process involving books, articles, podcasts, etc., that lasted roughly a year. Now, remember, I was doing this on the side or in my free time. Writing is not yet a full-time career for me, so while a year might seem laborious to most people, it's not like I was spending eight hours a day for a whole year straight doing research. Even still, eventually, I had to say to myself, Colin, are you ever actually going to write? I'll tell you that once I did start writing, I was super happy that I did. Why? Because I found out elements and ideas that I did need to research that I never would have known otherwise. Writing helped me clarify what information I still needed. My last point of research is note-taking. I took handwritten notes on a yellow legal pad, <laughs> dating myself, I know, as I read, and then I typed them out onto the computer. Again, some may see this as laborious, but I had a purpose. It helped me better learn my story. Look, I'm a huge Yankee fan, but there was so much information I was packing into my brain and there were a ton of stories I had never even heard before. Writing and then typing the notes helped me learn the stories. It was like I was studying in college. Again, this isn't something that is going to be for everyone, but I think it's of the utmost importance for the author of a book to know their story as much as possible. I'm never going to be able to read you my book by memory, word for word, but I can pretty much tell you every idea and story that is in the book. Step three is creating an outline. With this step, you can be as detailed or not as you want. For me, it was enough to put together a basic outline with a few notes. Others may feel the need to get very detailed here. The point is that you should do it. It helps you put together the millions of thoughts and ideas and gives your mind some structure to work with or work toward. Interestingly enough, related to the outline, one other thing I did before I wrote was I printed out all of my notes, cut them out into individual points or quotes, sat on my apartment floor, and put them into topic piles. This helped me literally take the hundreds of notes I had and sort them into topics that made it easier for me to put together an outline. It's not a step that everyone will want to take, but if you're like me and have trouble seeing the bigger picture, then it may be something to consider. Step four is simply to write. Write for as long as you can, as often as you can. 
write in an environment that suits you. There is no right way to write. So often, we creatives are told by influencers that you need to do this or that, and we get boxed into certain ideas just like the rest of the world. Don't. Write how you want to write. My writing process was roughly five months long. Again, this is not a full-time gig, so if five months seems outrageous to you, please keep it within context. I found it easier to schedule out blocks of time to write. I didn't literally schedule to the minute, but I found that by committing to at least an hour, then I'd have enough time to get warmed up and get into a groove. I'd put my noise-canceling headphones on, and for the majority of my time writing, I actually listened to the Titanic soundtrack. I know that probably sounds silly, it sounds silly for me to say it, but I wanted music to soothe my brain, and I wanted music without lyrics. Plus, I found out that the Titanic soundtrack is so long, and while I ended up listening to it countless times, it never felt like overkill. Most often, I wrote for an hour, sometimes two, but that was the max. I'd get mentally tired after that. Again, I was working my full-time job on top of this. If you have more time to write or want to write more, great. It just wasn't for me. Step five is to edit. This process had so many layers to it for me. First, it began with edits on the computer. I read the manuscript on screen and did as much editing as I could before getting to my next step. Then I printed a copy and did edits by hand. There's just something about being able to read the paper copy that allowed me to see aspects I missed on the screen. It's like looking at the manuscript in another format. I did all of that editing myself, and then I asked my wife to do an edit and be as critical as she could be. Once I got her edit back, I felt confident enough to find my first professional editor. There are a few different phases to editing, and I feel like this is probably where most authors who self-publish are most inclined to skip a step or two. I promise you, as an author who has taken the easier route in the past, I self-published a fiction novel in 2011, taking the time and paying the money to go through a full edit is instrumental to making your book a worthwhile read. Here are the three main edits. The first is a developmental edit. During this phase, my editor helped me strengthen the bones of what I call my shitty first draft and make my Word document look like something that actually resembled a manuscript. Shout out to Dawn Husted for the assistance here and check out her site in the show notes to learn more about her services. The second edit is a combo edit so there's two parts to it. It's a line and copy edit. This edit was more technical than the first edit. There was still a little bit of developmental work, but for the most part, it is just straight technical. Shout out to Robin Samuels, my second editor, and you can check out her services again in the show notes. The final edit is proofreading. This is the final editing phase and actually comes again in two different steps if you do it right. Again, I think a lot of authors that self-publish skip the second proofread because they are so eager to get the book out there or they don't want to pay the money. I don't blame you, but from experience, I know just how many errors get made between layout and the first proofread. For clarification, you do a first proofread 
then you do interior layout, then you do a second proofreading. And when I say you, I mean an editor and a designer. Nita Durfee was my final editor for this process, and you can find her information in the show notes. Now, before I move on to layout and design, I want to highlight the fact that I had three separate editors throughout this part of the process. I will always go with three in the future because I loved getting fresh perspectives plus fresh eyes each time on my manuscript. But the minimum you should strive for here is two editors, one for the first two edit steps and one for the proofread. You absolutely want fresh eyes on the proofread so they can catch errors you and your previous editors may have missed. Layout and design. We are on to step six. Are you tired yet? Trust me, it's worth it, and we are almost there. This is where the fun begins. This is where you actually get to see your manuscript look like a book. There are two types of designs for this part of the process. The first is cover design. This person or company will do just as it says. Design your cover, front and back, and spine, and help you with all matters related to this. This was the only part of the process where I opted to go with an overseas service versus an individual or even a company here in America. For the most part, I wanted to support other indie folks in the writing world, but I couldn't find someone I really liked for cover design. Nonfiction cover designs are actually fairly simple compared to fiction. Fiction covers tend to be a lot busier and have more elements to them. Nonfiction covers are more businesslike. I found a suggestion online from a fellow writer to check out Mibble Art, and I ended up going with them. They were super easy to work with, answered what seems like a hundred questions, and gave me an awesome cover design. Check out their information in the show notes. The second part of the design process is the interior design. This person or company takes the inside matter of your book, your manuscript, and they take that Word document or whatever software you use to write and make it look like the books you've been reading all of your life. I remember the feeling of awe I had the first time I saw my interior book design. It was a special feeling, and it reminds you that the process is definitely worth it. I went with Gary James, a North Carolina designer, to do my layout, and you can find his information in the show notes. The final step is to publish. This is also one of the most overwhelming and confusing parts of the process. Instead of adding to that confusion, I'm going to stick with what I did slash am doing and why I chose this path. Ingram Spark. This option allows you to sell and distribute your books to all channels, online, regular bookstores, public libraries. This is how you're going to get your book to places for people who don't use Amazon. It was $49 to bundle the ebook and the paperback version together, a small investment to make the book so widely available. Amazon. I think it's something around 70% of the book market comes from Amazon. Simply put, you want your book available on Amazon. You do have an option to make it exclusive to Amazon, but if you choose that option, then you won't be able to distribute on Ingram Spark, for example. I've also heard that if you schedule a book signing in a non-COVID environment, 
at a local bookstore, they don't like it if you bring in copies from Amazon. I'm not really sure how they check that, and it may just be an old wives tale, but it's something to lock in your mind. Again, I wanted my book to be available to as many channels as possible, so I didn't go exclusively with Amazon, but I know plenty of authors that do, especially fiction writers. Amazon is certainly very easy, and it's a great route to get print proofs of your book if you like to do editing that way, which I also encourage because then you get to actually see your book as it is in a paper version versus on the computer. With both options, you can set your book up for pre-order if you wish. On Amazon, they only have the option for ebooks, but on Ingram Spark, you can do both. Pre-order is more marketing focused, which I may have to do another episode about later, but it's an option worth considering. Liability. A quick note here, and something I'm not going to cover in great detail, but with nonfiction books, you do need to be aware of certain liability issues, borrowing quotes, slander, etc. There is plenty of information on the internet here, so a quick Google search can help you if you have questions on anything related to this. The total investment on average to self-publish is somewhere between $3,000 and $5,000. Realistically, if you do this right, that's what you can expect. You can do it for less, obviously, and you can do it for more, but on average this seems to be what most people pay and is in line with what I did as well. You have to look at it this way. If you are going to take the time to write a book, you might as well make sure it's readable, because if it is, then you will eventually make that investment back. Most writers aren't going to be able to live off of their book sales, but that initial investment is something I'm aiming to get back and hopefully top by a little bit too. From a return of investment perspective, that's why it made sense to me. My last shout out here on the podcast goes to the Writers of Nonfiction Facebook group. Check out the link in the show notes for more on it. In general, I don't recommend trying to sort through this process alone. That's why I created this podcast episode. But more than any resource, I found this group to be one of the most helpful and impactful. I found editors to work with through this group. I got cover design feedback, and they answered any questions I couldn't figure out on my own. It's an awesome community. This podcast episode has a ton of information, enough to get you started, and enough to give you the flexibility to go your own direction. Is there more to this process? Yes, like marketing your book, which again, may just have to be the next podcast episode that I do here for a solo pod. Setting up an author website is part of that. There's so much more out there. This is just a guide, and that's what it's intended to be. I'm not a professional self-publisher. All I'm doing is sharing my experience. I hope that it's given you a sense of what you need to get a book written if you believe you have the next great idea, because you probably do, and I can't wait to read it. That is all for today's solo podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. We are getting ready to kick off already the month of August. I can't believe it, but Rachel Breton is our guest episode this coming Monday. She's super awesome. This is an amazing conversation that I had with her a few months back. 
I've been so excited to share it and just thrilled that we're finally to the point where I can release it. So definitely stay tuned for that next week. Thank you again for listening to this episode. And until next time, take it easy.